With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Purple Insider is presented by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com and use the code PURPLE for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com, code PURPLE. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me following the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, our Senior Bowl correspondent, Terry Horstman. What is going on, Terry? How was your week? Did you have a good time in Mobile? I have had a great time in Mobile. I have now been here uh, for a while. <laughs> and time is, uh, I don't even know what day it is. I know it's Senior Bowl game day. That's how I've been telling time the last you know five or six days that I've been down here. I am ready to get back to Minneapolis. I don't care what the weather is, but I do. I have been told it's a pretty, uh, pretty significantly warm February by normal standards up there. So I'm ready to come home. Uh, and if... Uh, you watch the senior bowl. Anyone listening to this, watch the senior bowl knows that um, I think the, all the players who are here are also ready to go home. And a lot of them took the opportunity to leave early. And I'm sure we'll talk about all that. So great week down here. Thank you to everyone involved with putting the senior bowl on. I know it's a lot of moving parts. I am ready to be back in Minneapolis right now. Yeah. I played basketball outside the other day, which I don't think See? I've ever done yeah. in February before. So it's only I'm like eight degrees happy. warmer in Alabama right now. So I'm not even getting the, like a good warm weather advantage. So yeah, ready to be back. Not to spend too much time on the weather, but I'm headed out to Las Vegas to the uh, for radio row. <laughs> and I looked it up and it's like eight degrees, 10 degrees warmer. And I'm like, okay, so Vegas in February doesn't even get me anything better. Right. Uh, but anyway, because of the uh, way the game played out, we could spend a lot more time talking about the weather because it was maybe the ugliest senior bowl. So <laughs> let's start in uh, a different spot. The, yeah. the actual highlight was Thurman Thomas talking about on the broadcast how when in 1988 he won a car and drove the car home for being the senior bowl oh, MVP. So and that's what you that missed was- by watching the game in person. I, I, I did record the broadcast and I wasn't going to rewatch the football game. I just just watched because I didn't think there'd be much reason to, but uh, to hear Thurman talk about that in 88, I, I'm sure will be worth it. So I'll, I'll find that snippet of the broadcast for sure. 
It definitely was. But let's start with a different news item that came out actually midway through the Senior Bowl. And then we will get to all the other storylines, including how little Bo Nix played and Michael Penix not (laughs) playing at all, uh, which, again, uh, talk about a lack of highlights for the day. But we'll talk about their whole week in just a moment. But as the Senior Bowl is going on, Adam Schefter reports that Mike Zimmer is talking with the Dallas Cowboys about their defensive coordinator opening. And my first thought, Terry, uh, on this was that's perfect for them. And actually kind of scary for the rest of the NFC, because I think Mike Zimmer with the personnel that Dallas has could be very, very good, could be a really good fit to go along with what they have there. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I mean, I you are the one who broke the news to me because I was trying to be on Twitter during the game and the connectivity (laughs) in the stadium at the Senior Bowl was not great. Um, I think I just came back from the bathroom and I was able to get on email, but not a uh, X formerly known as Twitter. So I saw, <laughs> I saw your note saying, we've got to talk about the Zimmer news. And I was like, what Zimmer news? And uh, someone by me um, had uh, had better connectivity uh, success or whatever. And I said, Oh, Zimmer's interviewing for the DC spot with the Cowboys. And Honestly, with what the Cowboys have set up, I remember thinking them hiring Mike McCarthy was like, all right, great, great move to compete 10 years ago. And I think the cynic in me uh, would maybe have the same reaction to this Zimmer news, but I think it's kind of worth it. I was thinking about this on the drive back to my Airbnb and then just in the you know few minutes here, like it's worth it for them because if it works, it works great. And it is like you scary is the right word for it. Um, just imagine some of the Vikings defenses when Zimmer really had them at their peak. If you had add in, added in someone like Micah Parsons, Deron Blander, Trayvon Diggs to that unit, like it would have been even, <laughs> even better. So they're set up to succeed right now. I don't think there'd need to even be much coaching up that Zim would need to do down there. Uh, and maybe these few years away have uh, have been good for him. You know, that's there's, you know, precedent uh, across all sports that, you know, when uh, guys sort of step away for a little bit, maybe collect their thoughts and then just uh, change the scenery would be good. And even, you know, towards I know the end game for Zimmer in Minnesota wasn't great, uh, but I still, you know, nothing. He didn't sh- show anything that would lead me to believe he's forgotten how to coach defense. So. I, I kind of hope they hire him. I just want to see how it goes. Well, that's a great point because there were many things over the years that I criticized about Mike Zimmer, but absolutely none of them were his ability to coach defense. And mm-hmm. when their defenses struggled in his final couple of years, uh, I don't think it was really the lack of coaching or lack of trying. I think it was lack of sure. personnel. When you have failed draft after failed draft of defensive players, when you're desperately flailing at signing free agents like Bashad Breland, I mean, usually that's <laughs> going to be a problem for the uh, defensive coordinator, but at his best, which was for many years. I mean, he doesn't have a small sample size of one good season with the Vikings. He had a bunch of good seasons with the Vikings. And then before that with Cincinnati, a long, long history. And he's been around in the game for so long that he's had to Mm -hmm. adapt his defense many times. And I think that's what you're talking about is somebody who probably spent the year studying 
What did I miss? What could I see better? What are the trends that people are doing now? And he's been able to change things around. He came in to the Vikings with the double A gap blitz, and he was doing that like crazy. But then teams started to figure it out. So he adapted and he went to different types of pressure packages and things like that. Um, And uh, you mentioned, like, you're not really going to have to get young players and coach them up. Uh, You're going to have star players that are just handed to you on a silver platter. It really is a great fit. Uh, for him yeah. there, him and Mike McCarthy being in the same team would be pretty strange considering all the times that they went to battle against each other. So we'll see if Dallas decides to do this. The connections run extremely deep. He worked for the Dallas Cowboys for a long time, going back to the Deion Sanders days. And when they passed up on Zimmer to name Chan Gailey, the coach years later, Jerry Jones said that he regretted that and that he had <laughs> wished that he had hired Zimmer instead. And then to take this even another level, In 2019, at the end of the season, there was a rumor that the Dallas Cowboys might trade for Mike Zimmer to become their head coach if they had lost the game against the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs. Instead, they won, and the next day, Mike McCarthy was named the coach. So can I maybe uh, all come back, all roads lead back to Dallas for Mike Zimmer, potentially. Not hired yet, but just an interview. But we could see Mike Zimmer on an NFL sideline again. Uh, So let's get to uh, the senior bowl here all week. I was thinking about, you know, we don't need football. That's sad. And that upsets me, but here's what I know I'm looking forward to Michael Penix versus Bo Nix. I think they were on the same team, but still it's they they were, but still, yeah, (laughs) it doesn't matter. It's the senior bowl. Who's going to perform better. What is, what's it going to look like when they actually get out there And um, we got none of that. Michael Penix decided not to, let's start there, decided not to participate in the Senior Bowl. What was your takeaway from that decision? Disappointment for sure. Just as a person who is going to the game and has been down here all week uh, and someone who I've I've been very high on Penix the whole time. And uh, Penix as a prospect, especially in the last six days, has really split a crowd. Uh, so I was looking forward to watching him play. I think that it could be d- based on decent feedback that his practices have actually been more well-received by the NFL community than they have been by the media community. Um, I was l- listening to, um, it was the uh, athletic GM football show and former uh, Seahawks and Saints GM Randy Mueller was on and he was down here. I think he left before the game, but he was down here and said that he has Penix higher than Drake May in his draft preferences. And he was at these practices where people are saying Penix uh, is, you know, his draft is like his draft stock has continued to tank from the national championship game. So I don't think it hurts him much. I'm sure he and his agent had a long conversation about the benefits of playing versus the benefits of opting out. He was one of many players to opt out. Uh, Obviously he's the biggest name to do it. So we get some attention. And since his practices weren't just sort of like overarching, like this was, this is the best quarterback we've ever seen just launching the ball like crazy. Uh, Everyone should trade up with the bears to get him now. Like, I think, you know, it's there's going to be some discourse around it. So really, it was disappointing, but ultimately, I don't think it matters. And I think it's kind of just this trend that the Senior Bowl, while it being a showcase game of players entering the NFL, they play with NFL rules of funny things that happen today, multiple players intercepting balls by diving for them, not knowing that you're not down just when you hit hit the ground um, playing with NFL rules, but kind of going the way of college football bowl games where 
it sort of seems like the playing of the actual game doesn't really matter. And I think that's tough for fans to swallow. That's been a tough adjustment of this current era in college football. And I think if you, if you follow the senior bowl closely for a number of years, like, you know, like they, there's been discourse before that it's the practices that what that's what matters the most, but we often, we didn't see a ton of opt-outs and maybe it's, this is kind of just like the last couple of years. So disappointing. I don't think he ended up hurting his draft stock. And if you're a Penix believer, like I am, or you just want to be optimistic about it, maybe it's because he got some good feedback. Um, And then on the negative side, maybe he just was truly worried about hurting his stock anymore. If, uh, not having the best week of practices got to him. So it could be either sets of the coin. We're not going to know for a long time what it actually was, but uh, definitely disappointing for the game itself because it would have been fun to see both him and Nick's taking the field uh, for what would have been the fourth time uh, since they uh, transferred to their respective schools in the Pacific Northwest. One thing we know is that the NFL has a little bit different criteria for quarterbacks than the draft analysis world. Now, why that is, I'm not entirely sure. But mm-hmm. in recent years, we have seen the draft industry complex or whatever you want to call it of analysts be extremely far off from what the actual NFL was, which makes me wonder about someone like Penix, because I was watching Rick Spielman, who's down there doing some stuff for CBS. Now, don't everybody laugh at once, uh, because but Rick, <laughs> I wasn't going to laugh until you said that. But. <laughs> but, but the thing about Rick is I watched him last year and the stuff that he said about Will Levis. And he was dead on. I mean, he was exactly right. He was saying, look, Will Levis didn't have a good pro day. He's all over the place. His mechanics are brutal. I don't believe his accuracy. And he ends up dropping out of the first round. And, uh, you know, so I I wonder about like someone who has been a general manager like Rick Spielman, if he has a good eye for these things, or at least from talking to all the people that he knows in the industry has a much better sense than say like whatever draft analyst who everyone knows is on television. You know what I mean? Like if it's Rick, they're just talking ball. If it's TV analysts, they're talking to a TV analyst. So the opinions shared might be a little less honest. And he was really praising Michael Penix's uh, practices. And, And that's what makes me wonder about seeing different things from just was it a completed pass or whatever else? Because the analysis world came out of it saying, I don't think anybody really separated themselves here. But Rick seemed to feel like Michael Penix did. Yeah. And I think that's a great point, too. And that marks, you know, to two former GMs who have uh, performed deep analysis on more quarterbacks than I ever will in my lifetime or pretty much anyone who's sitting in the stands at the senior bowl with me. You know, I think a lot of it is this kind of people are down here to create content and the draft is sort of this year round thing now. And I'm not saying people are just inventing takes for having takes sake. Uh, but a lot of people are who don't necessarily watch college football week in and week out are watching them for the first time. And it's a practice and these things are supposed to matter. Um, and I think that that's fair. And he de- didn't necessarily set the world on fire. But I also think it's important to note the most important things that happened this week and have always been the most important things that happened this week are the closed door meetings that we don't get to, you know, how he performs uh, in meetings with NFL personnel, the GMs, the head coaches, they meet with pretty much all of them. 
uh, and it's pretty, it's a very intense process. And he, uh, at media day, Michael Penix walked us through just an example of one of the plays that he, you know, went to the board to go through and like, what would be the proper read? What would be the second read? And it was almost like a person speaking Mandarin to me, by the way, a, a quarterback, you know, goes through um, that kind of stuff. So he has been impressive, at least in his you know speaking engagements here, how he reads a defense. And I think it's also important to remember that whenever you're watching people practice in any sport, you don't know what specific instruction they're receiving from coaches and that like this happens in basketball a lot when it's like a player who needs to improve their three-point shot you can watch them in training camp and they might be missing way more than they make but they're they're trying new mechanics and shooting in a brand new way and uh coaches would rather have them miss a hundred in practice by doing it the right way than doing it wrong and just have them make them in in practice and things like that so that's something that is also present here and i think you know gms and scouts are much more aware of that than us on the media side of the stadium um analyzing every single throw um so yeah i I hadn't uh heard any of rick's coverage yet um this week so that uh for the, the Penix believer in me, I'm, I'm happy to hear that Rick and I are on the same side. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out and see how he you know throws at the combine. It's obviously it's different kinds of throws there. They don't, I don't think, ever have any kind of a defensive front facing them. Um, and then another just c- c- uh, criticism that was on all the quarterbacks this week was that they're hanging on to the ball too long. And that's just something where, like, I don't know that the coach didn't say, all right, you have to go until you're, into your fourth read and only make that throw for the sake of this drill. Like, we don't know that that's not the instruction that's happening in practice. So did were there moments where they hung, hung onto the ball too long and didn't sense the pressure? Yeah, but also that's what practice is for. Right, and you would also look for tools. Like, if somebody does not have pristine footwork, they have a quarterback coach, they have an assistant quarterback coach, the guy will also probably have his own throwing coach. I mean... Right. They're going to work on the, the mechanical stuff, but what you can't work on is that Michael Penix has 10 and a half inch hands and throws the football 700 right. miles an hour into tight windows <laughs> and completes touch passes 45 yards down the field. Like he is the best thrower of the football. I think out of the whole lot, I mean, even maybe Drake may probably has a, a conversation for that, but as far as the VLO, the ability to fit it into tight windows, I think Penix is all the way at the top, which may be what Randy Mueller is talking about uh, when he's saying like that he likes him so much. Now, Bo Nix came into the game. And so I was like, all right, at least we'll see a little Bo Nix. We got something here. And he threw, I think, five passes for like 20 yep. yards, and most of them were screens. He, I thought, did a good job on his touchdown pass. This is really stretching, but like he rolled out. His first read wasn't open. His second read wasn't open. Kind of had to come back to the backside, if you will, of the play a little bit and completed a touchdown pass for five yards to a wide open tight end. Mm-hmm. And that's all I've got. He kind of threw it behind <laughs> another guy who was coming across the field. Again, there was no, almost no passes. Not a whole lot to really work with when it came to Bo Nix. But if anything, he came away, at least from everything that I've read, is kind of the loser of this week that when you go in and have the buzz from Dane Brugler that you could be propelled up to the top 10 with a great week. And then your practices are just okay. Daniel Jeremiah said he thought he got better as the week went on. Um, so you saw the accumulation of all the practices, and I'd love to hear what you think. But mm-hmm. It doesn't appear that if his draft stock was at one spot, 
Everyone saw him up close and went, oh, my gosh, clear the deck. He is going in the top five or something right. like that. Just doesn't seem like there was a big change. Folks, if you've been listening to the show, then you know how much fun we have been having with prize picks this year. Just go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And let me tell you how it works. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough yet or you haven't tried it yet, very simple. There are yardage totals on prize picks. You either pick more or less and boom. Each week has been a roller coaster ride of fun. And the best part is that when I have a bad week, I didn't lose much. It doesn't cost much to play. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 very easily. And if things go sideways for you, you're not out a whole heck of a lot of money. That is prizepicks.com slash purple, just more or less on yardage totals. And you are in prizepicks.com slash purple, the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never-done-that-can't-wait-to-do-it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, starting with his touchdown, and I texted this to some Gopher fans I know, uh, the touchdown was to tight end Brevin Spanford, the great Gopher tight end. So I was like, is that just random or is Bo already currying favor with uh, football fans in the state of Minnesota? Who knows? <laughs> um, I don't actually believe that. Just, you know, floating fun conspiracies here because uh, it's, it's been a long week, as I said. Uh, I thought he did look pretty good today. Uh, it was four or five for 21 yards and one touchdown. And the one in completion was uh, his first throw of the game was a flea, fi- flea flicker intended for UNC's Tez Walker, which was a downfield throw of more than 40 yards. And I honestly thought Walker probably should have caught it. It would have been a tough catch, uh, but the coverage was coverage was good too. Um, but it was a good throw for the people who – are all pretty much overreacting to one bounce pass thrown to Roman Wilson on, I think, day two of practice. Um, it showed, you know, Bo Nix can throw the ball more than 40 yards. I think that one probably had about 50, 55 uh, in the air uh, or something like that. So I think he he was fine. He did what he needed to do uh, today. And I think just a fun hypothetical is what would the how different would the discourse be if there hadn't been Dane Brugler 
putting him in the top 10 right before the week started. And I, Dane's just doing his job and he does it arguably better than anyone in the NFL draft community. Um, but I think that hype coming out, you know, on, I think it was senior bowl Sunday or senior bowl Monday or whenever it was. And then just a regular couple of practices, you know, people I think want a little bit more to chew on. So that might just be uh, some a product of just the reality that we were in with, we obviously have to start talking about mock drafts. We got to talk about who could rise, who could fall. Dane's bullish on bull on Bo Nix says how bullish he is. And then just mediocre practices, which are probably, as I've said on this before, I think are just mediocre practices and it's fine. Um, on both of these quarterbacks uh, I did in the piece that I, I, I wrote for purple insider this week, I am higher on Penix and have been the whole time, but I'm also, I think Knicks will grasp an NFL offense and it will not surprise me at all. If he is, ends up being a good quarterback. Um, as I think you've said <laughs> several times in these pods, like the odds of any of these guys working out is, you know, not in their favor, even for, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams, it's probably like a 50, 50 shot at best. Um, so I'm not really expecting Knicks to be, you know, as a player we'll talk about going into the Super Bowl this time, you know, two, three, four years from now. Um, but I thought he was in practice. I wasn't freaking out about it. It was kind of like, you know, I heard the criticisms of his deep ball and was like, there's a couple times it was like eek. Um, but then there's a couple times a few throws later, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. That's what Bo did to my favorite college football team a number of times and drove a stake through my heart. So um, it was nice to see him come out and have a great series. Uh, and I think that will maybe help the public perception of his draft stock. Ultimately, I don't know uh, how much the practices or his play today really affected anything. I think we'll we'll find out. We, well, we won't ever actually find out because GMs and NFL teams won't ever actually tell us anything. But I think it, when you see where he ends up going in the draft, I think you'll see how well he performed in meetings and at the board and in conversations with GMs. Um, but it was nice to see him as a as a kid, you know. I, even though he went to Oregon, I don't want to see him completely fail. Uh, so had he gone like 0 for 6, uh, it would have been hard for me to come on here and be like, I think Bo Nix might be a decent NFL quarterback. So I think it's just all relative, um, kind of a non-answer from me on that one. But I think it's just, you know, it's all just kind of fine, just steady. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that there wasn't anything to take away from Bonix in the game or as far as people's practice recaps where you were pulling out the highlighter and saying, this is why I'm going to be a Bo Nix guy. Right. Um, at the same time, let's not let this recent information cloud us more than 45 touchdowns <laughs> and, you know, the, the athleticism that he has. And I do think he has good arm strength. And we saw that on the first throw. I wonder if they had kind of plotted that out to get him like at least one deep pass. And uh, I think probably the TV broadcast could see this better than in the press box. Uh, Tez Walker should have caught that. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was right there. It was a great pass deep downfield. But the thing is with quarterbacks, in the NFL, so much of it, if you look at the average depth of target of even Patrick Mahomes or uh, Brock Purdy, so much of it is just how much can you operate at the line of scrimmage? And a lot of it, and I know with this offense in particular with the Vikings, they do like to push the ball downfield. So that is a factor for sure. But a lot of offenses are shorter average depth of target. They are getting wide receivers wide open. It's can you handle all the complex stuff 
that is required to get them open, which means checks at the line of scrimmage, reading defenses, hanging in the pocket and hanging tough and getting enough mustard on the football to get it there. But we really saw this with Nick Mullins, and I I don't like to keep going back to it, but I kind of have to. Like, he doesn't have a big arm and yet was still able to complete a lot of passes to open wide receivers. So the question with someone like Bo Nix is, is there enough there as far as what he could do at the line of scrimmage? And with Penix, I'm a little more confident in that because I saw how much he was operating with Washington. But I still think that we're talking about two quarterbacks that are very likely to be available to the Vikings. The big question just is, are the Vikings going to be willing to pull that trigger? And, you know, I saw a write-up from uh, my friend Chad Graff, who now covers the Patriots, used to cover the Vikings, where he wrote, Patriots, you should just take a quarterback because nobody wowed you that you're going to be able to wait around for or trade down for, so just draft a quarterback. So it may just come down to, could the Vikings, A, convince anybody to trade everything to move up and and get to the top and get Jaden Daniels? Or would they be comfortable after this week looking at Penix or Knicks and saying, I can make that my guy. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they could. And depending on what happens the rest of this process, um, I know the combine starts later this month. I think the last day of February is the first day of, I think that's the way in day, uh, which is just wild to think about that. We're just a few short weeks away of being uh in indian everyone being uh you know the smartest armchair gm on the planet uh so i I, it will be interesting to see what they do and if you know if both nicks and Penix are on the board if they feel comfortable maybe like trading back i saw i think ben lieber had the take that he's confident that the vikings will draft someone else at 11 and then try and trade back into the first round uh which is we touched on briefly when we spoke earlier in the week, uh, which would be exciting. I'd want to see what that price tag is (laughs) and uh, what, what pick it would be. And of course, then you do run the risk of anyone else jumping in uh, ahead of you. If you do really like one of these guys, uh, then it's best to just take them. But if you think you can, Oh, maybe get one of the best edge rushers uh, in the draft and then also get this quarterback, that would make a lot of Vikings fans uh, pretty happy. And <laughs> as we discussed uh, last time, that there's probably no way that uh, Kwesi doesn't piss off at least half the fan base with just how many needs there are. Uh, doing something like that might actually please everybody. And it would be, it is, be a tough needle to thread, but we'll, I'll be fascinated to see if uh, if he can do it. Well, that's the thing is that once you get by where the Vikings are, the most of the quarterbacks or quarterback needy teams are at the top of the draft. And so whoever does not get picked, if it's not the Vikings and there's conversation about Denver, I suppose they could do it or maybe even new Orleans, but I don't get that one. They're all in on Derek Carr. Um, and then there's a report that they're going to restructure his contract because they have to, because the salary cap is real saints fans. Nice for you to join the rest of us and find <laughs> that out, but it's extremely real. And they're dealing with that. I don't know if they're thinking about two, three years from now with the quarterback position. And then you go through and you go, well, there's everybody else. And who's going to 
put their eggs in, in that basket. Very plausible that if this week dropped the stock a little bit of either one of these quarterbacks, it could play in the Vikings' favor if that's what they wanted to do, or even just trade back down from 11 mm -hmm. to get more draft capital as long as they come away with their quarterback. And this comes along with the caveat that they have to have moved on from Kirk Cousins first, which we still don't know if they're doing. Now, there's one more quarterback I want to ask you about, and then I had some observations about the rest of the guys who were playing today. And you could tell me about some others uh, who you saw practice through the week since, as you mentioned, a lot of them went home. But Spencer Rattler looked great. I mean, he came he out and just, he, I mean, right down the field, nice fade ball into the end zone. He was another guy that Rick Spielman mentioned as somebody that he had really liked in the practices. And I know how weird it is to have me quoting Rick Spielman on quarterbacks, but <laughs> I mean, I'm, he does have more experience evaluating them than uh, most people. But Spencer Rattler came in with some buzz, then didn't stand out right away, and then comes out and was easily the best quarterback on the field today. So what do we think of his week? Yeah, he had a good week overall, and he had a, a – I spoke with you after day one of practice, which was pretty up and down for him. Uh, and then he had a good uh, second practice and an even better third practice, I thought. And, yeah, he was really the only one today – who I think completed like a real pass <laughs> that was down the field. Um, and if, if I'm forgetting someone, let me know. But yeah, he that was a beautiful uh, fade route into um, um, who was the, uh, it was the Georgia receiver. Who had, it was, yeah, it was um, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, who I observed had a pretty tough day too in practice. So nice to see that kid make a nice play as well. That was a beautiful fade route. I thought the corner uh, Willie Drew had decent coverage on it too. Um, and yeah, Rattler looked poised and that four for four, 65 yards and a touchdown was enough to get him senior bowl MVP, uh, which can mean anything when quarterbacks go on. Justin Herbert won that award. Uh, so did, um, uh, Kellen Mond, what <laughs> that was on. I was thinking about that this whole week. Kellen Mond won senior bowl MVP and Vikings fans are not going to want to hear that. Um, so, you know, it could just be anything. It, it, really means nothing uh at the end of the day but he did put some great tape out there and got a giant trophy filled with Reese's peanut butter cups to take home and I think it mirrors what we saw from him in practice it was he was getting better these last few days and I don't know what kind of stock he played his game into uh as you, you go through the first round the quarterback needy teams all kind of get their guy and then the rest have kind of have to sit. And we've you've talked about it in your pod over and over again. We talked about it earlier this week that once you get into those mid rounds, it, it sure it's great to take a flyer on a guy, but it hardly ever works out. Uh, and the odds just really plummet <laughs> after the top of the draft. So you kind of need to be in a unique position to feel like you're investing a third round, fourth round pick on a quarterback and having it be well used like a good use of draft capital and it'll be fascinating to see who that is and it'll be fascinating to see what rattler does at the combine and how his stock moves from there if he can continue to go sky high because at one point he was viewed as the best quarterback prospect in the country so it's not that crazy to assume that he could be moving up and maybe even challenging someone like jj mccarthy for the top spot and maybe that next tier um i don't know 
I almost just said day one. I don't want to speak my way into those kind of draft shenanigans, but who knows? And so, yeah, he definitely, I think, made at least a little bit of money uh, today with uh, what what he showed. I would have liked, I wanted one more series out of him when uh, after after his last one, I was like l- waiting to see one more Rattler and I saw Joe Milton come out. Um, and I had a great conversation with Joe Milton after day one. I love Joe Milton. I don't know if he's going to work out as an NFL quarterback though, but I am cheering for him. Um, and then he threw two interceptions. So <laughs> I did want to see one more series of Rattler. Disappointed we didn't get it, but happy for the kid to... Um, of uh, have a great performance today and uh, improve every day in practice as well. So they ever come up with a longest drive competition for throwing a football. Joe Milton <laughs> will be great. Yeah. And otherwise he might want to consider switching to tight end kind of reminded <laughs> me of it. Truly. I'm not even kidding. Like he reminded me of Tyree Jackson where Tyree Jackson came in and draft analysts were like, look at his arm. It's amazing. And then when he actually played, you're like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. There's nothing that works there. Uh, he tried to throw a check down and bounce it to the sideline like 11 yards away from the receiver and just the interceptions were terrible every, everything about every other quarterback was unwatchable and those guys are undraftable wouldn't even bother bringing him in his undrafted free agents i mean that like yeah. sam hartman hallmark channel actor handsome guy yeah. great yep. great head of hair i'm jealous of sam hartman's hair <laughs> you could definitely see him like around Christmas time where he is a guy who owns a Christmas tree farm and some girl who's a lawyer in the big city comes back home and she discovers that she actually loves the small town life and falls in love with Sam Hartman. Like that's where yeah. he belongs. Cause that quarterback play is totally not anywhere <laughs> close to the NFL. Uh, so, but Rattler does intrigue me as maybe a second round type. If you go through the history of second rounders, hold your nose because there are really not many outside of Jalen hurts, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, that's the highest end of what you can get, which those guys are successful. Hurts uh, obviously was maybe a strange situation uh, where people didn't think he could throw, but he could, but you know, I, I with the Rattler though, yeah. that you've sort of got my attention with how much the football people are saying, Hey, like this guy had a really good practice and his team at South Carolina was truly putrid and pathetic and awful and he did a lot of good things so anyway we'll see if the the many scenarios that could play out but if the vikings don't pick one in the first round then it becomes intriguing whether they would consider him in the second because he does have very good tools now as far as the rest of the game went where were the defensive linemen so one guy was great the guy who switched teams his name is fist Fist. you could tell me more about that he was great (laughs) He just killed everybody. He was mad that he got traded to the other team. Uh, (laughs) But this week, my understanding is there were a lot of really good defensive linemen talents, just not all of them played in the game. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. 
So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I did it, had to do a double take when I saw him at uh, the stadium before the game started. Cause I was like, wait, Fisk is on the American team. Um, and then he went on to have a, a great uh, game for, for the national team. And yeah, there are some, some guys who d- didn't play. Um, I thought uh, Ohio state's Michael Hall had a really nice um, set of practices. And then you know, Marshawn Nealon's another guy we've talked about who's kind of up and down in the game um, itself. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's just everyone um, opted out or just kind of forgot how to play, <laughs> but uh, there was room uh, for, for the running backs. Um, then in like they, the set of interior defensive linemen looked a lot better once it got to the actual goal line. Like there's some nice stops, um, swarms of tackles made uh, close to the end zone. Um but no one that like really popped and was like, oh, that's the next Linval Joseph and solves the in t- the nose tackle issue that the Vikings have been having since Linval Joseph. Um, but yeah, uh, Braden Fisk out of Florida State had a fantastic day. Uh, not sure if he'll be there on day three still, and I don't think the Vikings will be in range of him on day two. Uh, but if he's brought in on day three, he'll be like, yep, that guy had a great senior bowl, and I hope it, it will translate to a Flores uh, defense. But yeah, it was not sort of the defensive line performance um, that we were expecting uh, slash hoping for um, as we did see some pretty, pretty good performances earlier in the week. And the the guy from uh, UCLA went home early, so he Mm -hmm. didn't play in the game. And uh, now I saw a lot of hype for uh, the kid Robinson out of Missouri, but I couldn't find him in the game. I mean, he was out there, but I didn't see a single time where he created a pressure or made a big tackle or anything else like that, which I don't know how much to make of that, but I feel like you should pop a little bit in the game. You should. Yeah. I don't know how much he played. Um, at one point during the game, I did think he had, he had opted out cause I hadn't seen him do anything for a while. Um, but yeah, he, maybe that was like kind of a half opt out. Like I'm going to play, but just three snaps total. And then just nothing came his way or something like that. Um, he, Darius Robinson did have a fantastic week of practice. The player that I did write down that I really wanted to, uh, at least mention um, who did get home and sacked uh, Sam Hartman. And I forced a, a fumble that Hartman ended up recovering is uh, the Houston Christian kid, Jalex Hunt, uh, who started his college career as a safety at Cornell <laughs> and is now an edge slash outside linebacker at Houston Christian. Uh, he's a raw athlete as, as you'd expect, uh, you know, a player who's um, at that level um, to be, but he was one of the routinely the, uh, fastest measured players uh, among D linemen and edge here in practices um, in, in mobile. And 
you know, Jim Nagy, the executive vice president of the senior bowl has, you know, is, has not been shy about praising him and really wanting to get him uh, for this game. Cause senior bulls had a long history of elevating small school players and seeing them to go on to have good careers. And I think, you know, where we were talking about this earlier in the week, where we don't want to see the Vikings sort of invest in a ball of clay at the quarterback position and bring back Kirk on whatever expensive contracts to help mold that like player into whatever. But I do think on the defensive side, you have, you're coming off a year where we, think Flores did a pretty tremendous coaching job despite the defense not being that great overall and you're kind of hoping you're I think you can expect that kind of repeat coaching performance and I think investing in high-end talent that's probably NFL right at the top of the draft would be very smart for them to do but as you get further down the draft in the fourth round I would love to see uh Jalex Hunt uh, be someone that they target because I think Flores would do would work wonders with uh, with that kind of kid. And there are obviously going to be a ton of questions with someone who only played at Cornell or and Houston Christian and had to and ended up changing positions. Um, but if it goes well, that's a pretty athletic piece uh, who could be a great pass rushing asset uh, for for years to come. And I I trust Flores. Um, with a player like that who probably just needs to get coached up a bit. Um, so he had a nice day. <laughs> I thought he at least popped a few times uh, for me. Um, so, yeah, but there weren't – yeah, there's some of the other edge guys went home early. Um, a lot of the corners that I was excited about didn't play either. So um, just, you know, it's kind of that same, you know, just bowl season letdown where you're really excited to see what someone does when the lights turn on and they're in full pads and uniforms. And the, I guess the score doesn't really matter in this count. It's an exhibition, but, um, yeah. And then that kind of just, um, uh, is, is a little bit of a wet blanket, uh, tossed on top of, uh, an otherwise exciting day. So, um, not, yeah, not a ton of great defensive line standouts, but I do think the hype around Robinson is real. And it was also, Nice to see Jalex Hunt make some plays out there too. I wrote down who is Hunt question mark <laughs> because I didn't recognize the helmet. I was like, what? Yeah. What? Who is this? So uh, that that might be the type of player that, as you mentioned, if you've got some high end talent but you're raw, that the Vikings should pick and try to develop under Flores. He is extremely good at that, and I would trust him to develop players more than I trusted Mike Zimmer or that I definitely uh, did not trust Ed Donatel with literally anything. So no. I, I think that uh, knowing that Flores is probably going to be here for years, that would be something that they should do is get players that he likes in the later rounds to try to mold them. Um, so I like those guys. The last position group that I wanted to talk about was just the running backs. And you mentioned it. I mean, they were on fire to start this <laughs> game. And I thought it was kind of funny. Like you said about the vibe of this game, the vibe of this game, it wasn't always the best football in the past, but was really intense, but at the, it was not today at all. And before the game, they showed one of the coaches on TV in the locker room. And he mentioned that one of the players asked them if he could hit the quarterback. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'd like you to hit the quarterback. So then they interviewed the coach at halftime and he was like, I told them to hit the quarterback, but we're not doing any of that. 
So it's hard to tell a little bit because of the lack of intensity of the game, how much these running backs were looking great and how much was just the defense not doing it. But one guy I want to highlight specifically that my friend Alec Lewis from The Athletic, who went to Missouri, covers the Vikings now, had mentioned is Schrader, their running back, who came from Who Cares State and then showed up at Missouri won their job, put up a gazillion yards. And every time someone attempted to tackle him, he ran through their face. Like he, he would get like a three yard gain and then it would be like a seven yard gain. And he catches the ball. He's quick. I mean, if the Vikings are looking for a mid round type of running back, which is really where you should only pick them. If you're in the state that the Vikings are in with the rest of their roster, him and uh, was it Bailey from uh, TCU? Yeah. Amani Bailey. Yeah, both of them really looked great today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Schrader's looked great in practice too, and the guy is is <laughs> just a house uh, with you know tree trunks for legs, and it's that's the type of power running that I think uh, we we love to have uh, access to or to see the Vikings uh, take advantage of. Um, I was hoping to see. I don't think the American team had many snaps like inside the the five uh, to give Schrader like a true goal line uh, opportunity, but he, he looked fluid and smooth in addition to just being powerful uh, in practice and nice set of hands too. I think you and Manny were talking about this in the last episode of purple insider, just about one of the bigger disappointments with Madison's game has just been the lack of, you know, pass catching threat that um, he's given to the offense and is Schrader's, you know, probably not going to have any type of, you know, hundred reception seasons. Like, you know, we saw Steven Jackson or LaDainian Tomlinson uh, have, but you know that if there's a, it's a third and short or, you know, a passing situation and uh, a check down can be a really valuable play that he might catch that ball and he gets going with a head of steam and (laughs) he will just try and run over you. Um, so yeah, he had a nice day today and I think he earned, uh, a lot of fans this week, uh, with his game. And also just that, that highlight reel of him at Missouri as people get more and more into the, the doldrums of, uh, draft content and are watching all of the YouTube highlights. Um, I think he'll become kind of a, a draft fan favorite. Um, and yeah, Bailey, Looked fine in practice. Didn't really wow me a ton, but he looked good. Um, and, and they were just giving him the ball on every play. Like I think he had uh, 10 carries, which is a lot for a game like this, for 53 yards. And I think he had four catches for another 30. And he had the tackle on one of Joe Milton's second interceptions to uh, uh, Shaw Smith-Wade from Washington State, go pack two, uh, who returned it. 86 yards and had he been 87 it would have been a touchdown and uh, Monty Bailey came from all the way across the um, other side of the field to make the touchdown saving tackle and they were not able to punch it in after that so that's something that we're always looking for uh, when you see a prospect that's like nearly there but you just meet, maybe need a cherry on top to fall in love with the kid uh, he had that moment <laughs> today so um, I think uh, if there is money to be made in the running back area, I think both Cody Schrader and Amani Bailey, they, they looked good. And I don't know at what range in the draft they'll be available. We'll probably be able to forecast that a little bit more accurately uh, in in the weeks to come. Uh, but I'd, I'd be happy to see both those guys uh, end up on the, on the Vikings uh, final draft card and give them a shot in training camp. Cause I think, I think they will be, you know, actual NFL assets uh, in 2024. 
couple more guys I wanted to mention. I'll just say guys' names because we're <laughs> at that point in the podcast. Right. Uh, Jar- uh, let's see. Jarvis Brownlee, the cornerback, mm-hmm. had an interception. One of the darlings of the week. Uh, the Vikings definitely need cornerbacks, so he is someone to keep an eye on. Uh, the Iowa punter is a god. That guy is unbelievable. I mean, I've always been like, don't ever draft a punter. That's insane. But the Vikings have had bad punting, including Ryan Wright, for quite some time now. And fifth round, sixth round, right. this guy is astounding. So maybe, maybe. One of my notes him. today was we saw Tory Taylor punt the ball 93 times for Iowa this season. I did not need to see him punt five or six more times today or however many times he punted because the offenses couldn't move the ball. But you are correct. Tory Taylor is a dynamite punter. He was great. He was really great. I'm only like mostly kidding about drafting him, but <laughs> only mostly. I'm really Sixth impressed. round I could get behind. Fifth is too early. <laughs> The, the problem with the NFL and punters is there's always a college punter who punts at seven gazillion yards and everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you do that in the NFL and the punt returner takes it for 20 and, you know, you're not really doing a whole lot of good there. But with this guy, he's like Phil Mickelson out there chipping <laughs> if he needs to, or he could pull out the driver and look like Rory and the guy could do anything. So maybe, maybe uh, field position it does matter. Uh, let's move off that very quickly. And the other guy was Cedric Gray, a linebacker from North Carolina. Again, the Vikings cannot draft a linebacker very high, but they will need players in the middle to late rounds to fill out their roster. I don't know if uh, we're going to see Jordan Hicks come back or not. So who else is playing linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings is actually a question. Uh, So those are my guys. Let me just wrap on this. I want the, the one player that when he gets drafted and he makes a single play in week one of the NFL season, you will tweet, love that guy at the senior bowl. Who's it going to be? I've told myself uh, repeatedly that I I won't be that guy. Uh, Did he have to play in the game today uh, to be? Okay, well, then it's a little bit of uh, home cooking for me, but it will be a Katana Ladapo safety from Oregon State. Uh, my alma mater, which I'm being biased on, but he also had a good week uh, by people, uh, according to people who did not attend Oregon State University. And I was really looking forward to seeing him play today. Another opt out because I think he, his agent said you had three good practices. Don't do anything to spoil it. Um, I don't know that I haven't uh, sent him a message to get clarification on that um, or anything. But yeah, if Catano Ladapo, I don't think the Vikings will be in a market for a safety. Um, but I do think he uh, shot up um, some some draft boards, um, at least, you know, into sort of the back end. So if he if he makes a play week one, uh, I will not be shy about how much I love that kid. So that's 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 my answer for that. But you will be in the market of trying to be right because you're covering the draft. So that's what uh, every, the goal goal seems to be is uh, tweet that you like someone, then wait three years till they do something, then retweet yourself. So that's uh, the best way to do it. Anyway, I'm (laughs) sort of kidding, but I see a lot of that. Uh, Uh, Yeah, that does happen a bit. So. It does. It does. Look, yeah. Terry, your coverage has been great. Uh, people should go check out purpleinsider.com for your first write-up after the first day of practice where you talked about the Penix and Knicks thing and some of the overreactions and then your breakdown of the players who stood out to you that would be relevant to the Vikings throughout the entire week at purpleinsider.com. Great, great work as our Purple Insider Senior Bowl correspondent. And uh, considering how exhausted you look, I'm glad you win and not me. 
I definitely got a little cooked in the stadium on the first day. Um, it's not nearly as bad as it, as it was a couple of days ago. But yeah, I'm a little tired. Um, looking forward to getting back and sleeping in my own bed. But uh, it's been a great week. So uh, thanks for letting me cover the the most exciting football game that will take place in the month of February uh, for the great Purple Insider as well. It's been a blast. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. People can also see your work covering the links at the next, and they kept you busy this week as well. So check that out. And uh, thanks everybody for watching. We'll catch you next.